0: Here's the reality, you can hear just about anything you want to hear and a whole lot that you don't want to hear on the internet, can't you? Uh, And and so uh, we're in this sermon series, what is true? Because the truth is our feeds are feeding us a lot of lies. And so it's worth it to just stop and say, okay, one of the lies that's being told is concerning the Word of God and whether or not it is actually God's Word, whether it's our authority for what we believe and our authority for what we practice. And so we're just going to stop in this series and say, what is true? Specifically today, what is true concerning God's Word? Is it Fiction? Is it just a moral book that teaches moral principles, but it's not really an authority over us? Or is it actually God's Word, and it is an authority over us in our faith and our practice? Did you know about 29% of the people in America believe that this is simply a work of fiction? Some people wrote... Wrote kind of whatever they wanted to write, but it has no basis in truth. It's fiction. About 49%, if you're doing the math, that's just almost a half, believe it's divinely inspired in a general way. It's a good moral book, teaches moral principles, but it's not to be taken literally. You don't need to do everything it says, and it may have some mistakes in it. And that means about 20%, that's what's left, Believe that the Word of God is actually the literal Word of God. And so, what is true? Is this a work of fiction? The truth is, there are more people in America who believe this book is a work of fiction than believe it is the literal Word of God, 29% to 20%. And so, what is true? In this series, here's what I'm going to strive to do in this sermon today, uh, in particular. Uh, we're, we're going to examine, first of all, what the Bible says about itself. Makes sense? And right there, some of you are gonna go, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait What the Bible says is about itself. I mean, we can't depend upon that. Hey, listen to me. You're gonna to have to accept by faith that the Bible is true or accept by faith that the Bible is not true. Either way, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. We weren't there when the original documents were written, so we take it on faith. Either way, we go. And I believe that it requires more faith to believe this. is not God's word, then it does faith to believe that it is God's word. So we're going to look today in this sermon at the question, what does the Bible teach about itself? And then we're gonna get a little bit academic and I'm gonna ask you to just lean in because you may already be convinced one way or the other and if you're convinced this is the word of God, I'm still gonna ask you to lean in when we get kind of academic and talk about the historical reliability of the Bible because I want you to be able to go to your fellow students and talk to them, to your neighbors, your friends, and your coworkers and share with them some of what I'm gonna share with you today. So we'll look at what the Bible says about itself and we'll look at the historical reliability of the Bible. And and as we proceed through the message today, I pray that there's one thing that you become absolutely convinced of, one thing that you know and you believe and you embrace it by faith, and that is this, that the Bible is God's word which guides us and has been preserved for us. And if you take that step of faith and say, man, I, I'm gonna embrace that. I, I've gotta either believe it is or I've gotta believe it's not. I'm gonna base that belief on the best evidence available and my faith, I, con- assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, I, I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna believe that it's God's word that guides my life and God preserved it for me. If you make that declaration that I'm gonna invite you to do one thing today And that is this to declare God's word is my authority for faith, for what I believe, and practice what I do. So, with that in mind, let's just dive right in. And we're going to first focus on what to know. What is it that we want? to know concerning the God's word. And the first thing we want to know is whether or not this is God's word. I'm going to invite you to stand with me on the screen. Is going to be 2 Timothy chapter 3. We're going to read together verses 16 and 17. I invite you to read this and I invite you to declare this in faith, but you may not be ready to do that yet. So read it and declare it if you are ready to do so. But let's read it together. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. God bless you. Thank you for being faithful to God and his word and standing and honoring it. And notice what you just read. First of all, it says, all scripture is breathed out by God. Now, we're looking at what scripture says about itself, right? And and I admit that. I want you to notice that. I want you to understand that. But this is what scripture says about itself. And the reality is, only about 20% of the people in America actually believe that. Others believe, well, kind of like this. Watch this video. You can't make the claim that this book is the Word of God, and then men can delete verses as they choose, or add verses as they choose. No, of course they can. They can? No, they can, of course. So, how do you know then what you're reading is reliable? Like the end of Mark. They, so, you accept men can corrupt They can take it out, yes, of course. So, you, so men can corrupt the Bible? Yeah. Oh, cool. And they can correct anything. Okay. They can corrupt They can make the co- anything up. Now, what you're saying now is people could make Jesus say whatever they wanted. They could write whatever oh, they yeah, wanted. Yeah, people can talk all sorts of rubbish. No, 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 they can write it. Uh, they can write all sorts of rubbish. And it, so how would you how would you know whether that thing's true or not? <laughs> so a lot of folks say, "Hey, the Bible's been edited and edited and edited, and you make say anything you want it to say. You can make Jesus say whatever you want Jesus to say." And so that's what our feed is feeding us, right? But but listen, here's what Paul, an eyewitness to the events. Said now, now it's really important to understand who is saying this. Paul is writing to his son in the faith, Timothy. Paul is is an individual who met Jesus on the Damascus Road. Paul is is an individual who was an incredibly brilliant theologian. Paul is an individual whom God used to write a good portion of the New Testament. Think about it. Paul wrote Romans, First and Second Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. He wrote Philemon, First Thessalonians. Thessalonians, 1st, 2nd, Timothy. I believe he wrote the book of Hebrews. I mean, he wrote pretty much the the majority of it, right? But not only that, this Paul who makes this statement was really good friends with Peter and John. John wrote the gospel of John and 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, but he was a friend of Peter as well. And Peter wrote 1st and 2nd Peter, and we believe that Peter had large influence on uh, John Mark, who wrote the Gospel of Mark. Paul was also friends with Luke, probably his personal physician. Luke wrote the Gospel of Luke and the Book of Acts. And so here's Paul. He meets Jesus on the road to Damascus. God, through Paul, writes a good portion of the New Testament. He knows the rest of the writers. They're contemporaries of his. And Paul says, as God is my witness, I declare to you that when I was writing, and Peter was writing, and John was writing, and Luke was writing, we did not not just write that which popped into our head. We didn't get together for a writing seminar and come up with this incredible story and then divvy out the story and each of us wrote a part of the story. We each wrote as God led, as God put his words in our mind, we put those words on papyrus and parchment. Now, here's an eyewitness And here's somebody on our feed feeding us a totally different story. Which one are you going to go with? The one who's the eyewitness or the one who 2,000 years later says, it's an edit of an edit of an edit. I've never been to Globe Life Field, but I've read about it, so I feel like I pretty well know the place like the back of my hand. I mean, after all, I know it has a retractable roof, Pretty sure it has air conditioning beyond that I don't really know anything about Globe Life Field I do know I watched a Rangers game for the first time uh, last night until they started losing and I turned it off so I got a kind of a bird's eye view of Globe Life Field now on the other hand I've got a friend who his company has like a box at Globe Life Field and, and so he goes to the games all the time he, he hosts clients there he, he hosts co-workers there I mean he's there all the time and let's say that you are wanting to go for the very first time you're going to globe Life field you're going to watch the rangers because you're like your pastor and you're on the bandwagon and so you're going to go let me ask you this if you're wanting to know where's the best place to park and are the hot dogs good and where's the best place to sit are you going to come and ask me i'm telling you i've never been there and i've seen it for the very first time on tv last night Or if you had the option, would you rather go to my friend who goes there all the time, sits in a box? Is it game after game after game after game? I mean, you probably would rather have your information from somebody who's actually an eyewitness versus somebody who's just operating on hearsay. And in the very same way, I am going to stake my eternal destiny on the testimony that Paul has given me And you rather than what somebody on our feed feeds us. So the very first thing that I would suggest to you is based on the word of God, the word of God declares that the word of God is actually the very words of God. But notice what the word of God does. The word of God actually guides us. Did you notice in the next part of the text, scripture is breathed out by God. To speak, you have to breathe. And it's what Paul is saying is God breathed the very words that we put to pen. Uh, But but he says these words are supernatural in origin and supernatural in effect. Uh, Because look at this. The word of God guides us. It's profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, training in righteousness. That is God's word is living and active. And as you read God's word, God's word reads you. God's word examines you. Actually, something supernatural happens when you start reading the word of God. God takes his word and targets those words at needed areas in your soul, diagnosing uh, where you are diseased, diagnosing where you are in sin, diagnosing uh, where you need to go next. And God's word is just targeted at your soul. There is something supernatural that happens when you are in church and you stand. in and you read God's word, when you are alone, and you open the word of God, and you read God's word, when you are just driving in your car, and you recall a verse that you have memorized, when you're praying over someone, and you pray over them the word of God, I'm telling you, there is a supernatural element to what is going on, that is far different than when you just pick up D Magazine, and start reading it, not that there's anything wrong with D Magazine, it's just the one that, was lying around my house when I was looking for an example and an illustration. There's something different between reading the word and reading Sports Illustrated, not that there's anything wrong with Sports Illustrated. You see, there's a supernatural element. God uses his word to literally guide and direct our steps, correct, reprove, train. Uh, Y'all been reading about artificial intelligence? I mean, it's amazing how it is developing and, and, and it's just it's moving into every field. And I read an article a couple of weeks ago about how it's moving into the medical field and they're developing a capsule uh, that has a transmitter and, and it's, it's just baked and soaked in artificial intelligence. You can tell the articles above my head. And so, you know, and and so here's the deal. They're developing this so that you can swallow this capsule. And as you swallow the capsule, the capsule makes its way through your body. And it, some way or another does a full body scan from the inside of your body detecting cancers and heart disease and other ailments. And what Paul is saying is the word of God is better than artificial intelligence. It's better than this capsule because instead of doing a full body scan, when you read the word of God, it does a spirit scan. It does a soul scan and it scans your soul and it confronts, it convicts, it comforts, it leads, it guides But it doesn't just engage with you as you engage with it. It's actually guiding you to where you want to go. Did you notice how it says, so that the man of God, the woman of God, the follower of Jesus may be complete, equipped for every good work. Do you see what it's saying? When you engage with God's word, God's word supernaturally engages with your soul and begins to guide your steps. That's why the psalmist said, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my feet path see when you read the word of God and you listen and you hear the voice of God through the word of God and when you obey what God is telling you to do what God does is he begins to guide you into truth he guides you into a better life a better future he guides you into being a better version of you I uh I love smartphones and I think if you ask me what are the top three things about a smartphone? In the top three, it probably wouldn't be number one. Number one is that I can talk to people. But but in the top three would be, this is, my smartphone has a map app. I love map apps. Earlier in my life, early marriage, I was directionally challenged. I uh, I just... I just, you know, north-south just doesn't mean anything to me. Well, it does mean something to me. It's just that when I'm heading north, I, I just feel like I'm heading south. And so I always ended up going the wrong way. But you know what? The last 10, 15 years, I'm no longer directionally challenged. God has healed me of that. I get my map app and I put in an address and I just feel like I know directions better than anyone. And if I make a wrong turn, do you think I worry about that anymore? No. Because my map app is going to recalibrate and I may get to take a two, three minute scenic tour or detours, the case may be. I just like to think of it as a tour. And so you know, and I still take some scenic tours on the way to where I'm going but it doesn't bother me because my map app leads me right there. And do you realize the word of God is better than any map app? Because when you read it, something supernatural happens. God takes his word and he does a soul scan, a spirit scan, and he guides and directs your steps and he leads you to God and truth and hope and he leads you into how to treat other people. I mean, you you just say, God, I, I'm starting a new school year. How, how do I treat my friends? How do I make friends? How, I've got a new neighbor. How do I treat my neighbor? And you start reading the word of God and God's word will lead you into uh, the idea of forgiveness and turning the. other cheek and going the extra mile and serving and being quick to hear and slow to speak and slow to anger for the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Now, of course, for your Bible to be a guide, you have to obey what it's saying. Amen. See, I've got a map app, but and I could put in an address, but if I just put in the address and then set it aside and then just take off driving like I used to do... It's not gonna do me any good to have a map app. And it's over there recalibrating, recalibrating, and eventually it's just saying, you know what, you're just too dumb to direct. (laughs) Because I'm not following the map app. And listen to me, God doesn't say you're too dumb to direct, but he does say, hey, I can't lead you where I want you to go and where you need to go and where ultimately you desire to go unless you are actually following and obeying the map app. But I'm telling you, the word of God is better than any map app. And it's better for your soul than any guru you will ever listen to, any self-help book you will ever read, any spiritual guide you will ever sit under, any TikTok video you will ever view, God's word guides. So here's what we've said so far from God's word, and now I'm going to turn just a little bit academic. God's word, the Bible, it's God's word. It guides us. And I want you to hear this. I want you to lean in. Or you're going to fall for some lies on your feed. And it's this. God has preserved his word for us. How How do we get there? Just take the 27 books of the New Testament. They, those books were written on papyrus, which are reeds glued together and dried. Parchment, animal skins. Those parchments and papyrus, uh, through various events and circumstances, have been buried in desert sands in the arid Middle East in the first few hundred years of the church. Many times the church had to bury it and hide the word of God. Other times, other means. But the word of God was hidden. It was buried. And the truth is, those parchments survived. They've survived for a couple of thousand years so far in desert sands. And now, archaeologists excavate... And they dig up these parchments all the time. Did you know we're still finding about six to 12 uh, biblical ancient parchments every year? The last major find was in 2011. Do you know they they dig these up and they can carbon date and they can tell when was this written originally? The oldest parchment that has ever been dug up to date is the the oldest New Testament fragment is found. It's the Ryland's papyrus dating back to 130 A.D. Now compare that to our guy on TikTok. It's an edit of an edit of an edit of an edit and you can make Jesus say and the Bible say anything you want it to say. Now now, just hang with me because I'm, I'm saying academically that kind of a statement just doesn't hold up. Archaeologically, historically, that kind of a statement doesn't hold up. The oldest one is 130 AD. Contains John 18, 31 through 33 and John 18, verse 37. Now when they dig up these parchments, sometimes they'll dig up an entire book of the New Testament. Others a portion of the book. Others a few pages of the book. Or like the Ryland's papyrus, just a few scraps. But cumulatively, listen to this. And I won't won't try to bore you with academics. Just hear this and we'll move on. There are over 5,000 of these ancient parchments that have been discovered and contain all portions of the New Testament. 5,000. 5,000. The entire Bible can be constructed from ancient parchments, fragments, in existence today, all written, and this is really, really important, prior to 300 A.D. So the Bible that we are reading today is not based on some edit that some dude made in 1830 or somebody else made in 1930, The word that we're reading is based on parchments that have been dug up from desert sands, all written before 300 AD. The two oldest complete copies of the New Testament are the Codex Vaticanus and the Codex Sinaiticus, and both were written around 350 AD. Complete copies of the New Testament. Do you realize that means if you go to the Vatican in Rome... And if you go into the library and if you have the right access, trust me, you do not. (laughs) You can actually hold the Codex Vaticanus, Vatican, Vaticanus, get it? Codex Vaticanus in your hand. It is a copy of the Bible written about 350 A.D., the Kodak Sinaiticus is housed in four different libraries around the world, but the majority of it is housed in the British Library in London. If you go there, part of it is on public display. Here is the reality. If we're going to edit the Bible today, we'd have to sneak into the Vatican and edit the Codex Vaticanus. We'd have to sneak into the libraries around the world that house 5,000 parchments and the libraries that house the Codex Sinaiticus. And we'd have to change all those parchments. It would be an impossibility. The reality is every word in Scripture is based upon parchments that are in existence today and were written before 300 A.D. So when you read the Bible, it's not like an old game of telephone. Do you remember that game? Get 20 people in a circle. And you say something really dumb to the first one, like, okay, here's the deal the sky's blue, and I love bluebell ice cream. And then they're supposed to pass that around and it goes all the way around the circle, 20, 25 people. And then when it finally gets to the last person, you ask that person, okay, what's the message? And the message always comes back convoluted like something like uh, the sky has been raining, bluebell ice cream. And you're like, that has nothing to do with what was said. And it's just this distortion of what was originally said. That's not... The Bible that we read, every word you read is based on parchments written prior to 300 A.D. In existence today, archaeologists, historians who have integrity will tell you the most historically reliable and accurate ancient document in the world is the Bible. Aristotle, if you've ever heard of him, Born in, I think it was 384 BC, died in 322 BC before Jesus, right? He was a Greek philosopher. Much of his writings shaped much of Western thought. But get this, think about Aristotle's writings in comparison to the Bible. For Aristotle's works, we possess only five manuscripts of any one volume. None copied earlier than 1100 AD. For those of you who are keeping score math-wise, five copies by over 5,000 compared to over 5,000 and a distance not from uh, John would have written his gospel in the 90 A.D.s. And the Ryland papyrus is, is dated to 130 A.D., a span of about 30 years. And for Aristotle's works, it's a span of about 1,400 years. And I don't hear a lot of people today saying, I just don't think I really can trust Western thought uh, because I don't know that we have the actual words of Aristotle today. The reality is God divinely, God has divinely overseen the preservation of his word. So I started off telling you there's one thing I want you to know. I want you to embrace by faith. And that is the Bible is God's word. It's God's word that guides us and has been preserved for us. Now let's move quickly to one thing I want you to do in response to what God's word says and in response to what academia says about the historical reliability of the Bible. I wanna ask you to make this commitment. God's word is my authority for faith and practice see for God's word to be your authority for faith that means God's word is your authority for what you believe and that means the word of God doesn't just inform your beliefs and it should but it actually forms your beliefs Or let me put it to you another way Uh, don't twist the Bible to fit your beliefs adjust your, your beliefs to fit what scripture teaches or to put it another way how about this what you think is not as important as what God thinks And so when you say, wait a minute, I believe the word of God is actually the literal word of God, then you can say, okay, so the word of God is gonna be my authority. It is gonna stand in authority over my thoughts and my beliefs. My thoughts and my beliefs are not gonna stand in authority over the word of God. And the word of God, therefore, won't just inform what I believe, it will form what I believe about same-sex marriage, about Jesus being the only way to the Father in heaven, about forgiving my enemies, about racism, and on and on and on I'm inviting you to make this declaration in your own soul God's word shall be my authority for what I believe faith now only 20% of Americans believe that 49% would say it's a good book teaches moral principles But you need to think of the Bible more as a buffet. You just read it. and If you like what God said there, grab it. If you read it and you don't like what God said there, just move on. And God never gave us the option of treating his word like a buffet. I've asked you to do one thing. Declare God, your word shall be my authority for faith and practice. Practice is what you do, how you behave, how you treat other people. Here's the reality. As you read the Bible, the Bible reads you. And so I'm inviting you to make this commitment. God, I'm not just gonna read the Bible and check off a box. God, I'm gonna read the Bible and I'm gonna sit in your presence and I'm gonna listen for your voice and I'm gonna gonna obey whatever it is that your word teaches and your spirit prompts me to do. I kind of have this mantra that, that I just work out with God. God, as I read your word, I'm gonna enter into your presence I'm asking you to let me hear your voice. I'm committing myself to obey the teaching of your word and the prompting of your spirit. And I'm asking you right now as I read your word, would you transform me by the power of your spirit? Here is the reality. When you make God's word your authority for practice, then you sit under the word and you obey what the word teaches you to do. You declare with the psalmist, oh God, your word today is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So here's, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna try to just close this message out with this thought, and then Pierce is gonna come and dismiss us. But I just wanna encourage you with this. I, uh, as a pastor, have spent over my years, the, the few years that I've been in ministry, I've dealt with a lot of people at end of life. What I've never once had, now admittedly, I'm probably not hanging out with a lot of atheists and agnostics at the end of life. They don't call me. (laughs) Of all the people that should be calling me, it's them. (laughs) But I've never had anyone say to me, you know, Pastor, the big regret that I have in my life is that I spent so much time reading that book. Man, I wish I had that time back right now. I'd have gone on some vacations. I'd have done some other things. And you know, if I ever have a shot at another life, you know, if the reincarnation thing, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna toss that book aside and I'm just gonna wing it and see how it all works out. Never had anybody say that to me at all. But I'll tell you this. I was sitting with a family this past week grieving the loss of their child and sitting in their living room with them You know what we talked about? We talked about the promises of God. I prayed over them. You know what I prayed over them? I prayed over them, the promises that God has given us in His Word. I prayed over them for God to remind them that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. For God to remind them and let them believe with all of their heart that Jesus has already wiped away every tear and every sorrow and sickness. That that their loved one is all at home dwelling in the house of the Lord forever. And by the time I finish praying, I look up and there's tears in every eye and, and I'm, I'm planning to leave and one of the family members says, Pastor, could we do the Lord's Supper together and could we sing a hymn They didn't want the moment to end because we were sitting there in the presence of God claiming the promises of God and even in the most difficult moment of life, we could say, blessed be the name of the Lord. I'm telling you, you will never regret making the word of God your authority for faith. What you believe and practice what you do let's pray and Pierce will uh, dismiss us Lord Jesus we love you and we thank you that you were so gracious that you wouldn't just come and visit us Lord you you spoke to us And you led individuals to write down your words. And now, Lord, uh, through your Holy Spirit, which indwells every follower, Lord Jesus, you cause your word to be living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. Lord, you guide and direct our life through your word. So, Lord, our response today, I pray it's the response of every person listening to me. And it is to say, Lord, we believe your word is your word. And so we make your word our authority for our faith and our practice. And we pray this in Jesus' holy name, amen.